the first thing people have to change before they can take advantage of all the the million dollar IoT solutions or all of the cool Google Glass stuff or all the new technology before if they can't figure out their labor problem none of this is going to help Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers Manufacturing Happy Each week we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. What's up, folks? Welcome back. We have an incredible solution to talk about on today's show. And if you're someone that's looking to find the right talent for your manufacturing operation, you are going to want to keep listening to this episode. I'm going to cut to the chase. We're going to be talking about a solution that is essentially the Uber of the factory floor today. Imagine being able to find the help you need in your operation with the click of a button. Well, that's essentially what the folks over at Variable are doing with their platform, the on-demand marketplace for manufacturing labor. I'll say it again. This is one of the solutions that I've come across in manufacturing that I am most excited about because it takes on one of the biggest issues in manufacturing, the labor shortage and the workforce skills gap head on. And it does this by addressing the needs and priorities of both modern manufacturers and the skilled operators that keep those manufacturing processes running. Appearing on the show today will be their co-founder, Noah Labhart. Here are three things you can expect from our conversation. First, we're going to hear about Noah's story of getting into software development and his early career. We'll also talk about the highs and lows of becoming a freelance developer and then ultimately co-founding Variable. Second, we'll discuss how Variable works and how it's a win-win for both the companies utilizing the platform and the operators that are signing up for these jobs. This is truly a 21st century solution that addresses the labor needs of manufacturers as well as the flexible lifestyle needs of those in the workforce. And Noah has some cool success stories to back this up. At the end, if you're a manufacturing leader, make sure to stick around for this part. We'll talk about how to get started with Variable, and to be honest, it's a pretty simple process, but stick around for that part anyway. As we prepare to get into today's episode, as always, if you're liking the podcast, make sure to head to iTunes and leave a five-star rating at review. You can do that at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It really means a lot because not only does it help put the show on the map, but also it's feedback that allows me to know what topics you want to keep hearing about here on Manufacturing Happy Hour. I do have one more piece of news before we get rolling. If you are listening to this episode before February 27th, 2020, know that we have another live show coming up, this time in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're going to be at Milwaukee Brewing Company chatting with Chuck Swoboda, the host of a similar show called Innovators on Tap. Hopefully you're uh, you're hearing a theme here. We're going to be having a two-way conversation about our careers, how podcasting has been a part of it, and our mindset and perceptions around innovation, technology, and leadership. And naturally, since it's at a brewery, there will be beer to be had by all. 
This event is free. It's Thursday, February 27th from 5 to 7 p.m. If you're hearing this after that date in 2020 or at a future date in time, no sweat. You can count on us doing more live shows, hopefully in a city near you. And that's it for my spiels this week. It's interview time. Now, we did this interview remotely, but in an ideal world, we'd be chatting with Noah in his home state of Texas. So let's take a quick audio journey, if you will, to the Dallas-Fort Worth area to hang out with Noah Labhart. guest today is a noble software architect behind a company that's helping reinvent operations for the modern manufacturer. He's the CTO of Variable, the on-demand marketplace for manufacturing, logistics, and warehousing labor. Not to mention, he's a very well-seasoned web and app developer, as well as the host of his own podcast, Code Story. Ladies and gentlemen, Noah Labhart. Howdy, howdy. Glad to be here. Excited to have you on the show. And I mentioned Variable, and we're going to jump into them here in a little bit. But just to connect with your company, that's variableops.com. And that's spelled very like, you know, a very, very good company, for example, correct? <laughs> correct. That is well, well said. And uh, if you're looking to connect with them on social media, you can find them on LinkedIn, Variable, easiest spot to catch them. And with that, you know, we're, since this is manufacturing happy hour, I'll, I'll set the stage a little bit. Let's say we're hanging out at, I don't know, um, what's that brewery, what's that area called in, uh, in uh, Dallas? I'm trying, I'm blanking on it right now. Let's say you we're hanging out at Deep Ellum, Deep Ellum Brewing. Let's say we're hanging out at Deep Ellum Brewing, having a beer. Um, and someone at, comes up to you and asks, it's like, you know, Noah, what do you do? What's your 30-minute I'm at a bar pitch that simplifies what variable does? Sure. Oh, that's a that's a great question. 30 minutes is a long time, though. I'm going to try to oh, make it 30 quicker. seconds. 30 <laughs> seconds. My mistake. My mistake. <laughs> so variable being an on-demand marketplace for manufacturing labor, we help businesses, we enable businesses to achieve flexible labor capacity. So we introduce them to a third labor paradigm. Um, there's full-time labor, there's temp staffing when you need to staff hog, and then there's variable, which allows mm -hmm. you to ramp up and ramp down your workforce as you need to uh, based on your demand spikes. So mm -hmm. until, until variable existed, uh, there was no way to do that uh, in such a discreet way. Now that mm -hmm. we've built the, the on-demand marketplace for, for manufacturing labor, businesses can do that. On the flip side, the the workers are able to, you know, work for different companies, put together flexible schedules. We've got people that work on the platform that have, you know, um, parental uh, responsibilities they have to do, take care of their mm -hmm. kids, and they can't really work during, um, you know, Mondays and Thursdays. So it's hard to have that normal eight to five, Monday through Friday work schedule. And so with Variable, now they can string together um, a, a set of different ops, which is what we call our work opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, uh, put their own schedule together. The other selling point on the operator side is we pay them daily. So when they work one day, they get paid the next day after adjustments are, are, are done. So they essentially have a rolling paycheck. That's pretty rad. And, and I don't know if you're going to cringe or if you like this comparison, but when I heard about it, first of all, when, when our, uh, our mutual friend, Zach, the guys behind uh, Squadcast, um, oh, yeah. 
it introduced us, I it it took me all of like 20 seconds to look at your website and be like, this is such a cool solution to Thanks. one of the biggest problems in the manufacturing industry right now, which is the workforce shortage and a great way to fill those gaps on, like you said, an on-demand basis. Mm-hmm. Um, everything you just said, though, sounds a lot like another app that people are probably familiar with, whether that's Lyft or Uber. <laughs> do you ever, do you like being called like the Uber of manufacturing operations? Or is that something you're like, oh man, because it's something people understand, but I'm curious what your standpoint is on that. Sure. That's a, you know, it's a great question early. So, so to answer your question, yes, we do use that. Um, mm-hmm. The Uber, the Uber for the shop floor, or the Uber for manufacturing and distribution. Nice. Um, we used it a lot more kind of early on because, you know, people didn't know who we were. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was a quick way, uh, especially for people that, that weren't really in the manufacturing space to understand what we were trying to accomplish. Nowadays, you know, we, we usually preface it with, you know, everybody has an Uber tagline. This is our Uber tagline. Mm-hmm. And then we mm-hmm. go into explaining what we really are. Um, but yeah, I mean, you nailed it. That's, that's kind of what, what we are on demand marketplace. Love it. Well, we're going to get more into variable in a little bit. I appreciate the initial overview, but I want to hear a little bit of the story that uh, that led you up to variable. So, you know, you are a computer science major from Texas A&M, correct? That's correct. And I guess I'm curious, what initially drew you to computer science? And then maybe the bigger part of that question is, you know, why did you decide to double down on a career in software architecture after that? Sure. Great, great question. So, you know, what, what got me into computer science um, was sort of the two, twofold, the intrigue of computers. When I was growing up, we had one computer, um, we didn't have mm-hmm. much. So I, I didn't get a lot of exposure to programming, um, just kind of limited exposure to what you could use a computer for. Um, but mm-hmm. I knew, I knew it was a good field to get into. And so I was intrigued by it and I wanted to pursue it. Um, and then the other was, Really, this is kind of a strange uh, entryway into it is uh, the love of mathematics. I, I really loved math. Um, mm. I, I got into school, uh, started out computer engineering and honestly had to learn how to go to school. Um, okay. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so in computer engineering, I, 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 you know, had a lot of fun. We'll say at Texas A&M first before um, doing my classes and um, ended up sort of shifting out of computer engineering into just applied mathematics. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually have two bachelor's degrees. One's in applied mathematics and one's in computer science. Nice. And, and so I got into mathematics and I, I've always loved mathematics, started doing calculus, started doing differential equations stuff and just clicked. It just makes sense to me. Um, and then I started minoring in computer science, um, as well. So getting the programming skills, but also doing a lot of the math stuff. Once I was getting ready to graduate and applied mathematics, I was like, you know, I really don't want to go, you know, be a professor or go Mm -hmm. be an actuary or something like that. Um, statistics might've been interesting, but I don't think it would have been long-term what I really wanted to do. I have a lot of creative juices in, in in me. And, Mm -hmm. and I I was like, you know, I want to go write software. I think that's what I really want to do. And decided to stay on for another year, get the extra degree because there was a lot of overlap between computer science and mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, so stayed on for another year and got both and then uh, graduated from there. So I graduated from A&M in 2005. Yeah. And, and your line you mentioned about liking the creative 
aspect about it was something that stuck out when uh, I have to say you have one of the more eloquent LinkedIn descriptions I've ever come across because you <laughs> describe your love of software around being the intersection of the left and right brain, technology meeting creativity, and engineering meeting art. And I thought that was a beautiful description. It also made me feel inadequate with my own LinkedIn profile and feel like uh, I needed an update. But um, I loved hearing hearing you describe it that way. And then, you know, I, I, I guess you started your career, you you know, it, it, looking through your experience, you check a lot of the good IT programmer boxes. You had an intern with internship with HP. You worked in IT for a large company like Alcon. It looks like you did web development on the side and eventually leading to co-founding companies like uh, TouchTap. And uh, invariable. And with, I know I just rattled off a bunch of things, but what I'd love to ask around that is what got you more going the entrepreneurial route after having that balance of working with a large company? Sure. Uh, um, that's a great question. You know, I've, I have a lot of family that are entrepreneurs that, that um, have their own businesses, several uncle, uncles. Um, my father uh, is an mm -hmm. entrepreneur himself. Uh, ran his own business. So it's just lots of entrepreneurial blood. Um, and, you know, worked at Alcon for eight years uh, and sort of t um, in the tail end of working at Alcon was actually supporting manufacturing. I had a group of six IT folks underneath me and we were supporting mm -hmm. infrastructure and servers and things like that. Alcon was a great company. I have nothing bad to say about Alcon. Great people mm -hmm. there. Great place to work. Um and, you know, I, I just didn't feel like I was making a difference. You know, it's really important mm. to see the fruits of my labor. And no matter how hard I worked on something, I would, if I was lucky, I would move the needle a little bit. And and that was it. Um, so, you know, IT at Alcon was, you know, we're not, we're not selling software. We're not making digital products. We're making eye care products. So IT was there to keep the lights on. We were an operational necessity. And... Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that is what it is. And, and, you know, it's not a, wasn't a bad thing, but that wasn't really what I wanted. I, again, I mentioned that I have this like creative, um, flow to me and I'm a musician. I like to, you know, I write music. I like to, I like art and I like all those things as well. Mm. And, and so there's a lot, um, to me also that was, that was just wanting some creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, so I decided to start tinkering on the side with mobile apps um, started building a few mobile apps with a buddy of mine, Chris Gravy, one of my best friends in the world. And, um, and we were tinkering with those and, and I got the itch. I was like, I could mm -hmm. do this. I could just go jump out and get projects and build apps and see where it goes. And mm -hmm. luckily I married an amazing woman who, um, who supported that, who was like, I see this, I see you unhappy at Alcon and, and I want you to be happy. And, you know, we, we had two kids at the time, so leaving a solid job like Alcon was was a challenging decision, um, mm -hmm. but, but we did it. And she was incredibly supportive, and, uh, you know, there were, there were definitely some stories I could tell you along the way, uh, <laughs> what, got it. What, what went right and wrong. Um, but that's what got me out of, out of the corporate world, and, you know, it was, uh, it was really amazing. Even the, the first day I stepped out, I was like, okay, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Doesn't mean I didn't second guess it, but I, I knew sure. that, um, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Well, you set, you just set me up for two questions right there. You said with that journey, you had some things go right. You had some go wrong. And cause from what I've heard so far, it sounds like a very 
positive experience. You had the support of your partner. You had gotten a lot of great experience. You know, I, I can can you share one high and one low from that transition? Oh yeah, sure. Um, that's it. That's a. There's there's many of both. Um, so I'll, I'll pick I'll pick one. The low is the easiest one to come by though. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> as soon as I left Alcon, I had taken on a big project, which is a great problem to have, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I got a big project, gonna manage it. Um, it was so we're we're I was based in Texas, and I had some developers I'd contracted that were also based in Texas, mm-hmm. and the client was in New Hampshire. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a beauty salon that was wanting some apps to sort of start um, kind of a mobile uh, experience for their their beauty salon. Mm-hmm. And so we started to, to build some of their software. And, you know, I, I'd run big projects at Alcon. I'd run big groups and I, I felt comfortable uh, with project management. And I, I just I just was like, yeah, let's let's jump on and do it. Well, I quickly lost control of the project mm. and used all the money on the developers, didn't have money to finish, oh, you know, underbid the project, uh, hired developers that were probably more expensive than what I could afford at the time. Amazing mm-hmm. developers. They're absolutely worth it, but uh, more than I can ex- I could afford. And essentially had to go back to the client and say, I've lost control of your project and I cannot deliver. Wow. And yeah, so it was really hard. Um, I remember not being able to sleep that night and waking up just in, in total panic attack mode. And, um, and it was, it was really, it was really challenging. Um, you know, we got into some legal conversations cause I tried to give her the code as it was cause we had built something, but it wasn't a finished mm-hmm. product. Right. Ended up, ended up having to give her all of the money back out of my own personal savings that she had spent because I didn't want to, you know, obviously didn't want to get into legal matters and honestly it was the right thing to do. Sure. Um, and so that was really hard. That was a low. Um, I, uh, I have to, I have to piggyback off that a little bit because we have a lot of manufacturing leaders that like listen to this show that while it might not be app development, it's not uncommon for a project to spiral out of control or go well beyond the initial scope. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest lesson you learned that you've applied from that to your future work to avoid running into that situation again? Absolutely. The biggest lesson I learned was to, to, how do I put it? Take small steps first and win mm-hmm. at those small steps and then add on from there. So win, take a step and win at that step and then take another step and win at that step and then take another step and win at that step. And then you've got three steps rather than trying to sprint, um, yeah. sprint to the end and try to build something when you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I've heard it phrased another way where it's like you eat the elephant one bite at a time mm-hmm. versus trying to take it all on at once. So Yeah, yeah that's good. Well, I, I appreciate the insights there. And it sounded like you were ready to take us back to a positive note with, uh, with one of the shining moments. So I'll let you continue on uh, with the second half of that question. What's yeah. one of the best things that happened? Sure. So then the best thing happened right after that. Um, you know, I started really reaching out and networking Mm-hmm. Um, to some people that I know, some agency owners that I know, d- digital design agencies, some app dev agencies, and just going, hey, you know, I'm kind of um, starting at the the very very bottom. Like I'm, I've got rid of the developers. You know, I didn't get rid of rid of them. I couldn't pay them. 
Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, basically it was like, I'm going to start this thing just as it's me. And um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm for hire. And immediately I got, I got two or three contracts. One was for a social media sort of video sharing app. The other was a white labeling for a different agency. And it mm-hmm. was mobile development for, for me. And then within a month or two, I was slammed. I had I had more work than I knew what to do with, and that was a great problem to have. And I started to bring on help part time at that point. Did that for about six months, and then just started to build up from there. And so that was that mm-hmm. was the high. It was like after this immediate just you know crash and burn yeah. sort of sort of thing. Um, it was just like okay, uh, that was supposed to happen, and we we're supposed to start at this level now, and then we'll mm-hmm. just start we'll just start climbing. So that was that was a huge high. We'll be right back, right after a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Concept Systems, who you can find at conceptsystemsinc.com. Concept Systems is an independent systems integrator and your automation solution partner for anything from antiquated control system retrofits to greenfield controls coordination and project management. Whether it's process or discrete control, Concept Systems has been doing this for over 20 years. They've partnered with best-in-class companies like Rockwell Automation and Fnook to conceptualize, design, and build automation systems that include everything like robotics, vision systems, and manufacturing intelligence solutions. Personally, I've been familiar with Concept Systems for a couple years now, and I have to say I'm a huge fan of the amazing team they have over there. With national presence across the U.S., they have application experience in more than just a few industries, including food and beverage, aerospace, automotive, building products, and metals, just to name a few. If you have a project coming up requiring an automation solution partner or even a main automation contractor, head over to conceptsystemsinc.com and get in touch. They take an extremely methodical, risk-mitigating approach to project management that allows you to hit your project timelines and keep focusing on your core business. Oh, and if you want to hear a bit more about Concept Systems, make sure to check out Episode 7 of Manufacturing Happy Hour, which is our panel discussion on smart manufacturing, featuring Concept Systems' very own Director of Sales and Marketing, Ryan Wasmond. And now, back to today's episode. So highs, lows, lessons learned. I'm going to shift things up a little bit here to more of the more of the focus around variable. So you've rattled. I mean, you the, the first thing you mentioned was like a hair salon, essentially hair, a hairdressing business. You've dabbled in a lot of different businesses, a lot of different industries, um, and you mentioned with Alcon, that's where you got your taste of manufacturing. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the one thing we love on this story is kind of the ideation stories behind companies. So looking at variable, you know, where did you first learn about like the workforce shortage gap as an opportunity to create an app based on demand solution like you guys have done at variable? Sure. So, you know, I, I cannot take any credit for the idea. Uh, okay. at variable. So <laughs> my partner, my, my partner and CEO, Mike Kinder, uh, mm-hmm. is, is the one who came up with the idea. So the, the first the first time, you know, I had thought um, uh, or had experienced or heard this idea pitched to me was when Mike pitched it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we were introduced by a mutual friend um, who's a tech entrepreneur, um, a, a friend of mine. His name's Ryland Barnes. And mutual friend, um, 
Mike is really good friends with his brother and Rylan and I were college roommates and Rylan and I were talking and I said, look, dude, I've, I've been building startups at my agency, you know, for a couple of years now, or actually it only been a year at that point. Um, and I was like, I'm kind of ready. I'm ready to give, you know, give it a try and, mm-hmm. and do my own startup thing. And I was like, if you know anybody looking for a CTO, let, let, you know, let, hook us up, let, uh, you know, introduce us. And he said, you need to talk to Mike. Mike has a, a great idea. And Mike and I sat down for lunch and he explained it to me. So Mike has, has ran plants, uh, has been a, an operations manager at, at manufacturing plants, uh, was a strategic uh, director of operations for PwC. We'd go out to plants and, and, um, and basically streamline their operations. And mm-hmm. he pitched, pitched the idea to me. Um, and immediately I was brought back to my time in manufacturing. So there's two specific uh, times. One was I worked on the shop floor. When I was yeah. in, when I was in college, mm-hmm. um, drove a forklift, uh, stood at the end of a of a um, you know conveyor belt, packaging insulation, and um, it was it was um, so I, I knew the shop floor intimately. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I knew what it felt like when there wasn't enough people, um, mm-hmm. and this was even many years ago. And then supporting manufacturing in um at, at alcon from an it perspective i was a part of the budgeting process i was a part of the the management team and so i got to see firsthand the rigidity around people and capacity and and design and engineering and, and budgets and orders and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and and immediately was like this is a great idea this is the idea that's gonna really bring manufacturing into the the new world of all this technology you know and that that's what mike was pitching to me he said the, the first thing you know, people have to change before they can take advantage of all the the million dollar IoT solutions or all of the you know the cool Google Glass stuff or all the new technology. Before, if they can't if they can't figure out their labor problem, none of this is going to help. Absolutely. Um, and so we were super jazzed about that together, and and decided to jump in and get going. Well, I love I love how you you. Because you, you, I would give yourself a little more credit because you had that manufacturing experience to reflect on. I would say, sure. you know, someone that was uh, an app developer, or a web developer, or had that IT experience without being in that environment, probably wouldn't have had the same tenacity to jump on board something like that. And you know, I want to kind of look at the the solution from from both sides because this this seems like a huge win-win for the companies and the operators. And this is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just my impressions of it. Um, you know, a company, like you mentioned earlier, they can fill that gap on an as-needed basis. You're bringing in people that aren't necessarily on the payroll that can, you know, let's say they have a big production season in the summer. You can bring in more talent at that point. Then from the operator standpoint, you can get a lot of diversified experience in different operations that make you more valuable down uh, down the line and more diversified, um, which ultimately in, in this day and age in manufacturing, I feel like is the new normal. It's not just going to be the same repetitive tasks that that's, uh, that's you know that you've done for a long period of time. So I'd love to you know maybe if you could go into um, you you mentioned a little bit before, but what would you say are let's take it from the company side first. What would you say are the three key benefits for a company that jumps on board with uh, variable. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, from a business standpoint, uh, manufacturing businesses are facing a lot of pressures to customize, to be quick, to, mm-hmm. um, you know, to react on a dime 
for very specific orders for for businesses. So, I mean, the three things that that we think for for businesses that are best is uh, are, are best the best use of on demand labor is you can lower your administrative burden of bringing on people. Right, you're going to need the people because you're going to have a spike in demand. Um, you know, your forecasts are are the best you can do, um, but mm-hmm. you can't you can't forecast anything if your sales guys crush it. You don't you don't want to tell them not to crush it because your forecast right. wasn't right. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you know, lower administrative burden, you get people on the shop floor very quickly. I mean, a lot of times the same day. Um, Mm -hmm. And and it also gives you the opportunity to, you know, capture more revenue. You can go take those Mm -hmm. additional orders. You don't have to, you don't have to, um, you know, load balance orders into the future to where, you know, yeah, we can take that order, but it's going to be six weeks late from when you need it. Is that okay? It's not Mm -hmm. okay anymore. You know, businesses don't accept that anymore. So, um, so it allows them to capture those different those revenue opportunities, um, and it gives them the flexibility that they need to respond. I mean, you know, they can build their operation to where the the we call this the orthodontist story, and okay. you know where they they hire a, a lot of orthodontists, right? Um, to where you know a, a orthodontist is not going to. Um, be in there cleaning the teeth or doing the administrative work in the front office or, you know, doing the booking of the appointments. The orthodontist is going to come out and do the orthodontist work because that's what they went to school for, mm-hmm. right? So, and the same thing sort of applies in a manufacturing standpoint for the high-skilled things that you need people to do. Maybe those are your full-time hires. You know, maybe those mm-hmm. high-skilled positions are the people you bring in um, to do that very high skilled specific thing and everything mm-hmm. else build your operation around simple simple tasks and enabling the people that come in to do those simple tasks with technology with training with you know the right tools that you can bring anyone in you know maybe mm-hmm. it's, it's something where you're able to take advantage of like a google google glass or a really specific um you know a set of tools that make it really simple to do a task you can bring anybody in and that's where mm-hmm. variable label can come in and help you. You can build your labor pool um, to come in and do that sort of lower skilled type of work. So if I'm hearing it, you've you lower that administrative burden. You mm-hmm. allow these companies to increase their flexibility, and there's a revenue benefit to it as well as as the three in that area. You know, one one question that was coming to mind is I've got to think and correct me if I'm wrong, but is there an ideal type of client or an ideal type of company that has the right technology in place? Because I've got to think, I mean, there's some antiquated facilities out there in the manufacturing space. So I'm curious, is there you know, what 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 does in a maybe not necessarily an ideal scenario, but what needs to be in place for someone like a company to take advantage of this? Sure, no, that's a great question. I think you know for where where we stand, you know the the best use case, or let me say the best use case. There's lots of different use cases for it, but we see a lot of warehousing, and we see a warehousing. lot. Yeah, we see a lot of mm-hmm. uh, assembly work as well. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, you know, do steps one through seven to put together uh, a, a piece of equipment. Um, so we see a lot of that. We see a lot of final mile type stuff. So some delivery things, so some logistics um, type of type of stuff as well. Um, some some, some third party type tasks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but if I'm described like the ideal, you know, operation, it, it's it's an operation that has that story or I'm sorry, that has that orthodontist story sort of nailed down where their, their high skilled labor are doing the really important things uh, Mm -hmm. on the manufacturing line. And then they're flexible everywhere else. 
Um, so, you know, it, it's not, a, it doesn't require a lot of training to pick pack, you know, uh, to pick and pack stuff or to pull, um, to, to do kind of final QA on a certain thing it may take a little training. Um, you know, we do see a little bit of barriers to entry around kind of some FDA, uh, regulator, mm-hmm. heavily regulated industries, just because, um, they're a little bit slower to change. Um, they, they have a lot of, you know, validation and training to, um, you know, to, uh, go through. However, I, I say that we also do support some FDA regulated individuals some companies um, out there that are making it work for them. And again, they're using that orthodontist type story to to make it work. Love that. Well, it sounds like there's there's not necessarily a limit to it per se, but it's making sure you have some of the right people to do the highly skilled jobs that you can bring in the operators that might be there on a temporary basis to complement that. Um, and speaking of the operators, let's flip this around this time. I w- I'd love to hear what the three benefits for having uh, for, for someone that's in operations that's using this app the same way an Uber driver would use Uber. You know, how does how does that benefit the operator that's all of a sudden jumping into a number of different applications versus just being in the same plant day in and day out? Sure. So, you know, operators love Love our platform. Um, they get to jump in, download the app, fill out the onboarding information, which there's a few prerequisites around a background check, tax form, adding a bank account. And then there's some steps to encourage them to fill out their profile with their skills and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But it's very simple. It's very quick. Um, it can be done within, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes if they're sitting there and doing it right then. Uh, and they've got all the information ready, or they can just fill out the prereqs and start bidding. But as soon as that's done and they're they're in the app, all of the opportunities are displayed to them for their for their geographical market. So they scroll through the app, they see different work opportunities, they see the skills that are required, how far they are away from them, what the pay is, um, and then they get to browse those details. And it's as simple as tapping the square, reading the details tapping a button and submitting their, putting their name in the hat, essentially that, Hey, I would, I would like to go do that work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's super simple. It's really easy for them to, to apply to the right, the right roles. Um, they get to work for different, um, different companies, you know, they get to do these short-term work opportunities for, you know, they might be working in, you know, medical distribution or distribution of, of medical devices. It's, um, you know, and on one day and then the next day they may be working for, um, you know, uh, a warehouse that's, you know, moving some product. And the next day they may be working for a 3PL, you know, building uh, an, an end cap for Costco or something like that. You know, yeah. um, it just it just depends. And they get to do all those different things um, and, and build their skills and be more marketable. They also essentially have a blue collar LinkedIn by being on variable. There's a rating mm-hmm. system. There is an experience builder. Like you could, all the businesses have access to see how many ops they've worked, who they've worked for and things like that. Um, so that's, that's been really popular. And then really the big thing that our operators love is getting paid daily. Mm-hmm. So we, we pay our operators. Um, we give the businesses until 11 o'clock the next day to make adjustments. If there were people that worked more hours or, you know, happened to no show and needed to be disputed, then they can do that by the next day. And then the payments process and hit their bank account by 5 p.m. that next day. So they get paid on a rolling daily basis if they're working on the platform on a regular basis. So our operators have, have expressed that they really love that. 
I can only imagine because, I mean, even working with a full-time job, I'm still waiting two weeks for my paychecks. I'm not getting uh, that daily payment. So, uh, <laughs> But that's the nature for most people. So I suppose I shouldn't be having beef with that by any means. Uh, I'd love to hear this put in the context of a story because we've got the benefits for both parties. Let's hear um, about one scenario where this has been a win-win for a company and the operator or operators that have jumped on in. Sure, sure. No, that's great. Um, so I, they're sort of separate stories, but I'll, so I'll give two. I'll give mm-hmm. two stories. Um, one, we have an operator, um, and she's been an operator for a long time. Uh, she is a single mom. She has mm-hmm. six kids, and wow. she, she has very very strict time requirements, right? She's mm-hmm. got to kid, get her kids to where they need to go. Um, you know, got to make sure they're fed, you know, got to make sure they're taken care of. Right. So she has a very rigid schedule that she needs to work around. She can't work around a normal nine to five, um, nine to five job or mm-hmm. you know, whatever, the, whatever the hours might be in the plant. So she's able to, you know, bid on different work opportunities, work some weekend gigs, work some night gigs, some evening gigs, and and be able to bring in money to provide for her family, um, even though she has this rigid schedule. No one else can provide her that type of opportunity. So we have many, many stories of of people getting on our platform. They're like, I just couldn't find full time work because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get to the plant or the warehouse uh at the certain time frame that is required mm-hmm. and now they can piece together the work they need to so that that's on the operator side um from a business standpoint um we have a a business um that is a distributor of medical supplies uh mm-hmm. some some med devices that was you know having um having to require a mandatory OT for a lot of their full-time workers. And they were getting, they were were getting a lot of uh, flack from that. Obviously, you know, no one likes to work mandatory OT. They like to work OT when it's not mandatory, right? (laughs) Yeah. Get that that extra time and a half when you, when you need it, but not work it all the time. That's not, you know, sort of, uh, you know, said by the man, right? You got to go work OT. Um, so they started using variable, um, and this was just one instance that they were looking to reduce OT. They used it in lots of different instances, but, mm-hmm. um, um, so they were looking to reduce overtime. So what they started using was over, um, um, sorry, was variable workers for those overtime needs. They would bring them in, um, you know, on discrete different means to come in and work their distribution centers. Um, and they, they achieved a lot of success. They were able to lower their overtime by, I believe it was 20 to 25%, something around that number. Um, and, and still, you know, meet the, meet the orders that they needed to help, help their, you know, backlog when they were behind. That's why they needed the OT anyway. Um, but save a lot of money by not paying their full time and also improve the morale of their, their full time employees. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. What, what I love about both of those stories is not only did you hit on the business angle of it. So when a company's running it, reducing that overtime by 20, 25%, that's not a small number. The other side of that is you bring in just the life aspect of the people behind these operations, a single mother of six, all of a sudden having the flexibility to be able to do the work that she's skilled at, but on her on her own, on her time. It really takes that traditional um, nine to five and puts it in the power of the worker, which I find really cool about your platform. So Great stories. Thank you for for covering both sides of that. Absolutely. Um, 
as we're starting to wrap up, you know, you mentioned it's very easy for the operators to get on. You gave a little scenario there. How easy is it for a company to jump on board with this? Just so anyone that's listening to this, it's like, I need to get signed up for this, knows what to do to take action after this. Absolutely. So they, they, it's very simple for businesses to sign up as well. You go to variableops.com and uh, go to the four uh, I need workers or four businesses link at the top. And there's a button there that says get started. And mm-hmm. you click click on that, you're taken to our portal. If it's your first time to sign up, then you put in some very simple information. Uh, you know, an email address, password, basically the address of your operation and a little, your name and description, a little bit of information about the operation. Um, so one page full of information, one form, and you have access to many, many operators in your geographical area. Um, you know, we have over 75,000 people signed up on our platform to work. Um, and 25,000 of those operators actively working, um, on our platform. So quite a, quite a bit of people out there ready to get going. So you sign up and you can post work as soon as you sign up. So you post that work. You don't have to put in a payment method. You don't have to, you know, declare how you're going to pay. Um, you can just post an op and you can see what sort of traction you're going to get. So you need you need someone that day and you just signed up, post the op, post the op, get the work out there and see if there's people out there with the skills that are wanting to come to your operation when you need it. And, and then at that point, if you're ready to assign an operator, you input a payment method, you get, um, you accept that operator. They show up at your at your work. They do the job. You check the work, make sure it's good. You make any adjustments that you need, and the payment automatically processes payments to the operators, and then pay, uh, charges you either on your card or through some traditional invoicing methods uh, on a weekly basis. I love how you've simplified one of the biggest issues facing manufacturers into something that, with any with any mobile app related thing, you've made it so seamless. And for anyone listening, variableops.com will be in the show notes at manufacturinghappyhour.com. So if anyone needs easy access to that, you can uh, you can find that there. Um, gosh, this is, a, this is a great platform you put together. I really appreciate you taking the, the time to share about it today. Um, I've got one other question before we wrap up. Is there anything you wish I would have asked you about uh, variable that I have not yet? Um, you know, we are in the Southwest and the Southeast markets right now. Um, we are readily expanding our geography into, um, the rest of the United States ready to educate businesses on this third labor paradigm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I, maybe, you know, I probably would have kept it pretty close to the chest as far as where we're looking to geographically expand, but, um, just wanting to say that we are coming, um, coming to a town near you and uh, we're excited to grow manufacturing and enable manufacturers to achieve that that flexible capacity. Love that. The way you phrased it makes it sound like variable is going on tour right now, like a <laughs> rock band. Um, speaking of which, you mentioned you're a musician, you're a podcaster, also you're hosting Code Story. You know, with with all that creative work you're doing, what what what's most exciting you outside of variable right now? Oh man, uh, the most exciting thing, you know, outside of work and stuff is my family. Um, mm-hmm. I'm uh, married, I've been married for 10 years. Um, I have three kids, uh, a boy and two, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, 
a girl and two boys. <laughs> I had to catch myself there. Um, so it's late in the interview. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So a girl and two boys, and and they're uh, they're wonderful. They keep me busy. Uh, they're eight, five, and three. Um, so it's a it's a busy house uh, all the time. It's beautiful chaos, and that's that's my most uh, that's my most favorite thing outside of variable outside of the the podcast code story and um, you know all the other things. Uh, they're they're really the the important things. Love that. Well, you have you certainly have no shortage of things on your plate right now. But it sounds like for all the energy that goes into them, you get a lot of energy back from it. So that's right. That's right. Well, with that, Noah, I really appreciate you jumping on the show today. For those of you listening, we'll make sure all the links and all the resources discussed in today's episode are on the show notes at manufacturinghappyhour.com. And uh, I'm going to give you a virtual cheers, Noah, before uh, before we scoot out of here. Cheers indeed. Thanks, Chris. So, appreciate it. No problem. And for those of you listening, we'll catch you again next time. Hey, thanks so much for listening and a big thanks to Noah for jumping on the show. I cannot wait to see Variable expand and continue to spread the word about the third labor paradigm. Love the ring to that phrase as well, too. As always, you can find resources mentioned in this episode, including how you can get signed up for Variable at manufacturinghappyhour.com. And if you know someone that could benefit from these guys, make sure to recommend this episode and Variable services to them. Either go to manufacturinghappyhour.com or variableops.com. Again, that's V-E-R-Y-able.com. As a call to action for the rest of you, if you loved this episode, if you've loved previous episodes, make sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. You can do that by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you right there. Hit that five-star marking and leave a review that can be as short as one sentence. Your feedback helps get the show on the map and helps us continue to make the show relevant to you. A final thanks to our sponsor this week, Concept Systems. Make sure to check these folks out. They're based in Oregon, but you can utilize their services across North America. They are systems integrator specialized in many industries, and the team over there is fantastic. Whether you're looking for a simple project all the way up to a main automation contractor, Concept Systems is your answer. With that, that's it for this week, folks. Looking forward to sharing some more episodes with you, including our upcoming live show at Milwaukee Brewing Company on February 27th, 2020, if you're listening to this at the right time. In the meantime, stay innovative, stay thirsty. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.